can't, can't quite emphasize uh, my joy enough at the excellent, beautifully researched and perfectly presented new standard, Menstruation, Menstrual Health and Menopause in the Workplace, launched with a fanfare of excitement, news stories and general joy this year, deserving of all of them. I've read it from start to finish, though I won't be taking questions, thank you. Uh, but I can assure you that it is a masterpiece and I've read a few of those. We present The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Today's episode is on BS 30416, Menstrual and Menopausal Health in the Workplace. People often ask me, what is your wish for the future? My wish for the future is we won't be having events like this. We won't be having workshops. The government won't need a menopause employment champion. It is a generational piece. The previous generation didn't talk about it, but I hope that for your daughter and my daughter's generation, it is simply part and parcel of the conversation you will have as part of a broader conversation with your line manager, your HR team, your colleagues, that you can take your whole self to work, whatever that looks like, from um, a menstruation, menstrual health, period in the workplace, uh, right through that women's health, and they feel empowered to never have to feel that they have to be anything less than themselves in the workplace. Hello. This is Matthew Childs, and welcome to The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards. Now, the voice you heard at the top of the episode was that of journalist, broadcaster, and author, Mariella Frostrup, speaking at the formal launch event for a standard. Well, actually, part standards launch event, part campaign launch, and part celebration, really, for the subject of this episode, BS 30416, the standard for menstrual and menopausal health in the workplace. And the second voice was that of Helen Tomlinson, Head of Talent Development at the ADECO Group, but more importantly, the UK Government Menopause and Employment Champion, or the Menopause Czar. She was answering my question about BS 3416. What difference will the standard make and how will we know it has made it? Now, BS 3416 is a really important standard, a revolutionary one, in fact, as Cindy explains. Menstruation and menopause can be complex and are often misunderstood. And in some cases, they can have detrimental physical and mental health impacts to those experiencing them. And not only that, the way we work is changing. Many workplaces are still not designed to cater to the needs of employees who menstruate or who are going through the menopause. And the lack of open discussion around these topics can make it difficult for individuals to be at their best in the workplace and for organizations to provide adequate support. For example, according to a UK parliamentary survey carried out in 2022, 92% of respondents reported that menopause symptoms affected them at work. As well as difficulties caused by menopause symptoms themselves, the survey also highlighted that the attitude of colleagues and managers can have a significant impact on people experiencing the menopause or menstruation in terms of feeling able to seek support and even to stay in their job. As a result, organizations are beginning to recognize the need for a level of consideration when it comes to menstrual and menopausal health. 
but uncertainty on knowing the right approach to take has often led to inaction. So it is in this context that BS 30416 has been developed. It gives organizations of all sizes and in all sectors the guidance they need on how they can adequately support their employees who menstruate and experience menopause symptoms. So, in this episode, we'll hear from some of the people involved in developing and championing BS 3416, this revolutionary British standard, and also representatives of organisations planning to use it. And alongside me asking them about what's so exciting and important for them about this standard, I also asked them, just as I did for Helen Tomlinson, what difference will the standard make and how will we know when it has made it? Now, a quick reminder that here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find and follow us on Twitter or X at Standard Show and on Instagram at The Standard Show. And check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. In this first part, we'll hear my conversations with Sarah Jane Osborne and Sarah Miles from commercial real estate company Avison Young. Fatima Usman from the Department for Education, the government department here in the UK, and also co-chair of the Department for Education Menopause Network. And Alice Smelly, co-author of the book Cracking the Menopause with Mariella Frostrop and director of campaign group Menopause Mandate. I started by asking Alice, why does she think this standard is so important? It's unbelievably important because there's a need for uh, workplace guidance when it comes to menstruation and menopause. And the most exciting thing about this is it's brilliantly written, it's clear and practical, it's accessible to everyone, and it gives companies guidance and structure for supporting employees. How, how will this standard make a difference and how will we know? I think it's going to be a rolling stone when it comes to making a difference. I know there have already been thousands of downloads. After today, I would imagine there are going to be thousands more and I would hope hundreds of thousands more because what we've seen today is the absolute need for this. We don't have legislation when it comes to women's health but when it comes to menstruation, menopause in the workplace and this is really desperately needed. And what would your message be to employers and representatives of employers listening to this podcast and thinking, what can I do? download the standard obviously read it but don't just pay lip service to the subject make sure that you actually implement changes that you listen to your employees and you make sure that you recognize that menstruation and menopause are very individual experiences it's not just a kind of tick box hi i'm sarah jane osborne and i head up workplace for avison young in the uk and emir and obviously we're here at this, this fantastic event promoting this brand new standard. I've got to ask you, you know, why do you think, from your perspective, why is this standard so important? It's absolutely critical. I mean, I think it's so important, the contribution that women are making to the economy. And it's critical to keep as many of these women in our workplace as we possibly can. And I think there are life stages at which I see with our clients that we have a brain drain loss um, and I think it's really important to recognise some of the biological journey and its contributions in that brain drain loss. And uh, I mean, how will we know, looking at this, if employers start using it, how will we know it's making a difference? I think hopefully from a menopause perspective we lose fewer than one in ten women at that moment in their biological journey. 
and they'd stay with us in workplace and they'd stay making this amazing contribution that they're all capable of making in workplace. Um, critical to us as an economy uh, and just the right thing to do as well. And how will sort of employees sort of experience the changes that employers are, are making to, to, in order to respond to the standard? How, how will employers feel it, feel the changes? I think employees will feel the change because the stigma and the taboo will diminish. The ability to have really meaningful conversations with their colleagues, have meaningful conversations with their management, their leaders, have reasonable adjustments where that makes sense. Um, and just to feel understood. I mean, we talk a great deal um, about bringing our whole selves to work. And I think this is one of the places where still as yet there's some ground to be made up. I absolutely believe that the new BS standard will make a difference in that respect. Now, my daughter's 10 years old, so she's away from, a, a bit away from working yet. But when she enters the workplace, maybe in sort of 10 years' time, what experience will she have? How will it differ to how young people are experiencing it now? I think, I hope we're all very period positive. I hope that she doesn't have to hide her um, period products up her sleeve to move around the office. I hope that she finds they're readily available in all WCs, that she has disposal opportunities, that she doesn't feel that she has to hide if she has any um, pre uh, premenstrual um, symptoms, if she has pain, if she has anything like that, that mean that she needs um, understanding, that she needs adjustment that she needs to know that she can be her whole self, that, that we really want her contribution to workplace and that she feels comfortable and whatever her experience of all of these life stages are um, so that she can make her best contribution. I think there are some tactical pieces and there are also some really understanding um, psychological pieces as well. So obviously we've gone through a huge amount of change over the past two or three years with COVID and, and working practices. I mean, how does this standard help with deal with all those changes that are taking place? Look, we're at a wonderful crossroads in the world of work. Um, all of the, the COVID work practices that were adopted, hybrid work, flexible working, those sorts of things can really support some of the issues that women encounter around these topics that the BS standard is supporting. And so I think that joining that up in part of your workplace strategy is really critical for employers at the moment. And very mindful as well, though, that there is still some um, equilibrium that isn't addressed. In the world of work that um, is in workplace and hybrid working, these changes can be really easily integrated. I still think we have a way to go in retail, we have a way to go in other um, industrial applications and in many different workforces that aren't office-centric. Um, so I think there's still some work to do, but this is absolutely a fantastic step in the right direction. I'm Sarah Miles and I'm a workplace consultant for Averson Young, which basically means that I help our clients um, to devise new workplace strategies and how their ways of working are going to work with you know, new hybrid working, but also how their employees are going to interact with their buildings. Um, and that can cover design and you know, standards and all the like. <laughs> now we heard some very passionate people today talking yes. about this particular standard, a groundbreaking standard, yes. no less. I just wonder from your perspective, you know, what, how important do you think it is? Oh, I think the standard is so important because basically it, it sets a starting point for all of us in the industry to have a conversation now. So we now have, if you don't know how to start this conversation and what to say to your employees, to your organization, you know, this standard can, can be that starting point. I mean, it's a fantastic starting point and it can go on, but I think that we need to have this conversation, the standard's long overdue and it starts to um, feed into that well-being piece as well 
So they talked in, in the session about, you know, that overarching wellness and how important that is and how this can be a building block as part of that. So I think that that's why it's so important because it, we can't individually, um, you know, well, we can individually change, but if we do it together and we, we get all these building blocks, you know, we can start to make some true change. We heard a lot of people say some fantastic things today. And obviously, when you're at an event, you think, oh, I just need to bottle that yeah. and take it away with me. What, what are you bottling today? What, what are you going to take away maybe in, and change in the way you think maybe or the actions you take? What, what are you going to do? I think there was a, um, a line in one, of this, in one of the talks and it was about the policy. So any organisation's policy can't just be on paper. It has to be in life and it has to be a true change. I think that is absolutely nail on the head. We can't just write these policies or standards and have them sit in a drawer. We have to act on them. We have to make them exciting and vibrant and part of life. And only then do they start to change the culture of organizations. So I think that is absolutely what I'm pocketing and taking away with me. <laughs> so fast forward 10 to 15 years. What does, what does success look like for this standard? So I think success is very different for different people. Individually, we all want different things out of the standard. As women, um, as people, you know, we will need different things from the standard because you know, it's not one size fits all. So I think success would simply be, at its simplest form, feeling comfortable within your organization to ask for the support you need. And, and just keeping it simple, I think that would be almost not you know not enough it's never going to be enough but that would be the true starting point because the minute we feel comfortable to ask that's when we start getting what we need and then all those statistics that we heard about women dropping out of the workplace prematurely will drop and will hopefully get better so i think that would be a, a good starting point so i'm fatima Rizman and in my day job i work for the department for education but i'm also co-chair of the DFE Menopause Network which is a staff employment network that looks after the interests of individuals who are all about having menopause workplace support and we've got about 550 members so so what is your I mean why are you here today I'm here because um, in the DFE we've got a menopause network and we've done so much incredible stuff to sort of really implement menopause workplace support and I came along to find out what's being communicated in this new standard and what else, what am I missing, what else can I learn and what can I take inspiration from to then go back and implement within DFE. Well, well, you teed that up beautifully. So I'm going to ask you, what did you learn and what are you going to do with it? Right, so I learned. The thing that I've really latched onto was the presentation about the built environment. So really looking at facilities but what else can you do to provide more welcoming support for individuals in the workplace and I think there's some things that I need to go away and take back to the department and just do a bit probing what's our position on this can we do something more on this place and and that's what I'm going to do I'll be saying got a standard show exclusive that the Department of Education will be implementing the new standard well we're, we're more or less there. I think we need to have some conversations back back in sanctuary buildings about what else we can do but I think it's a really positive step and we're, we're almost there so to be able to show that we are demonstrating the same standard I think would be a really positive move for, for government but also to other organisations 
So keep your fingers crossed. I mean, I mean, obviously you've made you've made a lot of progress at the Department of Education. You talked about the network that you've got. What would you say to other organisations who weren't here today? I just wonder what if you were bottling this event. What would you be recommending to them? I'd, I'd recommend them to sort of show up and get on the agenda, actually, um, because. Um, there's lots that can be done and it's all about listening and actually knowing the information about your own organisation, whether you're a big organisation or a small organisation. What is it that people need in terms of support and, and how can you act and, and show that you're being an inclusive organisation just to sort of really show up and, and, and then demonstrate what you're going to do. And it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a vanity project, but actually show what you're going to do. And maybe as a final thought that if you were sort of projecting five years in the future, assuming you're still with the DFB, how would the what would the how different would the working environment be? In DFE? Yes. Um, I think we'll have a culture where individuals feel comfortable talking about menstruation, about menopause, perimenopause, and we have the right adjustments in place and it doesn't feel like a difficult conversation to have. It's something that can you can talk about in the workplace your line manager in tune with in terms of what's needed for you and there's no embarrassment and there's no stigma but that's five years time and if we're having and if things haven't changed in five years time you and me are going to be having a conversation again because I'll be like what is going on why haven't we changed things but do you think you have all the levers at your disposal to disposal to make sure it happens where you work it, it will happen where I work but obviously it's been driven by a few individuals and by the people who are really passionate about it and, and that's so long as we've got people continuing to drive this agenda it, it, it will happen you know it's, we're edging towards the right direction so just need people to keep at it really keep showing up BS 30416 is a practical toolkit for organizations of all sizes and in all sectors. Implementing this standard helps organizations to tackle the taboo around menstruation and menopause in the workplace, facilitate fair treatment and opportunities for employees, and empower employees through every stage of life. To kickstart a cultural shift in your organization and provide adequate support for your employees who experience symptoms of menstruation or menopause, then download your free copy of BS 30416. All of the details are in the show notes. Now, in this second part, you'll hear my chat with Maria Tomlinson, lecturer in public communication and gender at the University of Sheffield. She is also a standards maker and was involved in the development of BS 3416. But we start with Susan Taylor-Martin, the BSI Group Chief Executive. She gave me her perspective on why the standard is so important. Obviously, Susan, we're at this fantastic event here, this, this sort of formal launch event, for this, launch event for this groundbreaking standard. I've got to ask you, you know, from a, a BSI Group perspective, sitting in your position as the Chief Executive, how important is this? How important is this standard? I am so proud of the BSI team for having taken on this subject because menstruation, menstrual health, menopause is a tough subject. I have to say, still very taboo in lots of places around the world, still a difficult topic of conversation, and I love what they've done in terms of 
creating the standard, the people that they've managed to kind of to bring together to create some really practical guidance for organisations like ours, like BSI, who want to make sure that we are properly inclusive and we are really thoughtful about everyone in our community and how can we make sure that we've, we're, we're building an environment where where everyone feels kind of cared for and taken care of and thought about. And so in a way, for me, it's such an important standard because it's, it's almost beyond the subject matter itself, actually speaks to what great, healthy, inclusive organisations look like. They look like the kind of organisations that think this topic is important and they want to do something about it. So it's a, it's a really, really important day for us, actually. Now, I know we don't hold all the levers here as the standards body, but I just wonder, given the importance that you've, that you've said there, how do we make sure, what can we do to make sure that this standard is as used as widely as possible? So that's a really great question for a standard like this. We very deliberately made it kind of free to wear, so it's free for people to kind of consume and to use. And I think it's one where it's such a kind of, it's such a hot topic at the moment in terms of the zeitgeist. I think there's a lot of conversation about this topic and we've created something in partnership, we've helped shape something that I think is practically incredibly useful. So I would really love to see this, um, you know, we've had about, I think we've had close to 5,000 downloads already. We've only just launched the standard, which is fantastic. We've had take up an interest from around the world. So another area where, from a UK perspective, this is kind of an example of, of soft power and the UK leading on a women's health issue. But I really want us to be measuring how many organizations are taking this and starting to use it. So that's the metric for me. I've got some, some hard copies that I'm taking to, to see various clients. You know, every client I see, I'll be producing this and say, listen, by the way, this is something that will really make a difference within your organization. I, so this one is about how many organizations are using it and, and the fact that BSI gets some recognition for really kind of leading the way. We've decided from a government perspective, from a legislation perspective, we decided we've not, we're not going there from a UK perspective, but that doesn't mean that organisations here in the UK, but also globally, couldn't really make a difference on this topic. So Maria, tell me, tell me who you are and what you do. So I'm a lecturer in public communication and gender at the University of Sheffield. And at the moment I'm doing research about the period movement and its impact on young people's knowledge and perceptions of menstruation. And that's included like relevant health and social issues like endometriosis, period poverty, and reusable products, and the experiences of trans men, non-binary people who menstruate as well. And tell me about your role in the development of this standard. So I was in a very fortunate position that I chaired the development of the standard. So I attended every single meeting with everyone, which was great. So I got to hear like a diversity of like different opinions, people from HR, people from um, other academics like myself, uh, people from various different organizations. And as I have expertise in gender and public communication, I wanted to make sure that the document was written in a really kind of inclusive and sensitive way. Now give us some insight here, obviously standards are about developing consensus and obviously you need to do that in order to produce a standard but maybe give us sort of two or three issues that were probably more thornier than others where there was more discussion maybe? So the main issue was the issue around gender 
Um, so we had some conversations because the whole panel, like, we wanted to make sure that everyone who has a period or goes to menopause exclude, is included. So women, trans men, non-binary people, intersex people, etc. Um, and we found it kind of hard to agree on how best to do that, how to kind of showcase that the majority of people who experience menstruation menopause are women but there are also people like trans men, non-binary people that experience it too. So we had discussions about how we could reflect this in the language. And I came at it from my own expertise, um, having researched uh, and done focus groups with young people. And I asked them, like, how do you refer to people who have periods or etc.? And they like to say women and other people have periods or women and people. So this was like one phrase that was kind of suggested. Um, but I think in the end, I think I found a really good kind of compromise in the language that you use. So I was like, okay, well, let's start the first sentence to say who menstruates, women, trans men, non-binary people. And then let's talk about how actually historically um, workplaces haven't been able to include women effectively. And a lot of discrimination around menstruation is linked to sexism. Um, it's based on women's experiences, how the workplace wasn't really traditionally set up for women. But then we can acknowledge that you know, now we know there are other people that experience period, periods too. And I think as women, like a great thing we can do is like advocate for others that have similar experiences to us, like trans men and non-binary people, and raise awareness of that as well. So I think we've come with a really good compromise of the language. I'm really happy with it. And what excites? I mean, what excites you particularly about this particular standard as an, as an academic and researcher? What excites you? What really excites me is that I've actually been doing research about menstruation and menopause since 2014. And back when I started, people thought it was very strange. They'd say, oh, that's very niche, and oh, why do you want to write about that? Um, whereas now, like, over the past like 10 years, I've really seen conversations opening up. And I'm so excited that we're at a place now that we can create policy and give advice about how to effectively support women and other people who menstruate or go through menopause in the workplace. So that, to me, is really exciting. And obviously, you work, you work in, in the UK higher education community. How have you enjoyed being a standards maker? I really love the fact that I can use my research to make a positive impact on society. There's a few academics I know who are quite resistant to this whole idea of impact. They want to stay in their little ivory tower and write their books. But I always, I've always said, like, why are we doing research? Like, what do we want to get out of it? And for me, it's been finding ways that we can effectively support women um, and other gender minority groups. So for me, actually using my research expertise from speaking with young people in schools, from interviewing menstrual activists, from doing research menopause too, to use that to hopefully improve how women and other people who menstruate experience their workplace culture and their everyday lives, to me, that's just really exciting. So now that you've got the bug, will you be getting involved in other standards? I'll see what's available. I think I'm at the moment really interested in potentially the idea that we might develop this into international standard. I think the language we use might have to be quite different and we're going to have to, of course this standard as well took into consideration intersectional factors and the fact that every individual has a different experience of menopause and menstruation. But I think when we're developing one for the international market, it's going to have to be really nuanced and careful to make sure it's something that is relevant for the rest of the world. And that's really hard because obviously each culture is different and each people, you know, everyone experiences these uh, menopause and menstruation differently. What, what advice you might give other early career researchers about getting involved in standards? What would you say to them? I mean, I would say that in the current job market, there are very few academic posts and I've had to really fight very hard for my position. 
and anything you can do that shows your research is having real world impact is going to really help you get permanent roles. So I, I mentioned my involvement in British Standards in my job application and I really believe that it helped me get the permanent job that I'm in now. Now we've been here at this event, uh, Maria, and it's been fantastically positive and lots and lots of amazing contributions from lots of different people. You've been involved with the standard, you've done research in this area, but what's, what's been your takeaway from this entire event? I think, well, I have quite a few takeaways, but I think my main takeaway is that there were so many people that attended today, both in person, online, and it really shows how much appetite there is for change. So I think that's probably my main takeaway from today. It's just exciting that everyone is interested and people want positive change that will help women and other people who menstruate. Now we're talking about change there. Just a final thought, we project sort of 10, 15 years in the future. From your perspective as an academic, you've worked on the standard, what does success look like? Success is when people will feel comfortable to talk about menstruation and menopause whenever they want, to be able to bring up issues around these two topics to their employers and when employers can create like a really supportive and inclusive workplace environment that can enable all employees, whatever their gender, to do their best and enjoy work. And one thing I'd really like to see is organisations um, engaging more with boys and men about menstruation and menopause as well. Because um, the research I've done with schools, I spoke to lots of boys as well, and they were saying like, oh, you know, we really want to be able to support girls and other students that menstruate, but we don't really know what language to use. And in the past, you know, girls have been worried about talking to us because boys have bullied girls about it in the past but we actually don't know what to say and the movement isn't engaging us so I'd really like going forward for like men and boys to understand their role and how they can effectively support women and other people that menstruate and get involved as well because male allies are really important. Do you want to help make people's lives easier, safer, and more enjoyable? Well, why not become a standards maker and have your say on the development of standards? Standards affect all of us every day, wherever we go, whatever we do. By defining good practice, they help people, organizations, the economy, and society to do things better. Each year, Standards Buddies publish thousands of standards, and we are looking for more people like you to join our community of standards makers. We welcome applicants from all fields, backgrounds, and career stages. Our goal is to have a balance of views around the table. By becoming a standards maker, you could help to create cities that boost people's well-being, make strides in stem cell research, lift the pressures on healthcare systems, and even build healthier and more inclusive workplaces. So, if you want to make a difference and shape the world through standards, start your standards-making journey now. Simply visit bsigroup.com forward slash get involved. We finish this celebratory episode for BS3416 with BSI colleagues instrumental in the development of this groundbreaking standard, Jane Packer and Nelly Zigov. I started by asking Nelly, how did it all begin? Well, this one was a bit unusual because we just had internal discussions on why it was important and what should we combine together. So we decided because menopause was all over the media, but actually menstruation wasn't, that we should combine these together because adjustments for one fit for the other as well. 
and then we made the proposal to be assigned, said why it's important and now we're here. And who is sitting around the table then deciding what good looks like for this particular standard? Who did you bring together? Just give us some examples of the organisations. Uh, so it was about 30 panel members, so we had the HR side of things, so we had the occupational health and safety managers and the occupational health managers uh, and HR of course, and then we had the charities and the consultants that work on menstruation and menopause. So we had a combination of things like uh, Federation of Small Businesses, Endometriosis UK, Bloody Good, um, Bloody Good Employer. We also had, uh, oh, I don't know, there were so many different organizations. Unison, yes. I can't think of all of them right now. The Daisy Network, many, many different organizations that represented very varied views. And also many individuals who had personal lived experience because we felt that was important as well to make it helpful for business, but also make it a change in someone's life. I mean, now you talked there about the sort of diverse range of organisations. Maybe it's worth reminding ourselves, Jane, why do we do that? Why do standards bodies do this and bring, bring together those different perspectives? Because if you're not speaking to all the different people and all the different perspectives of all the people we're representing, then we're creating standards that are only for a small proportion of the population. So you have to have a diverse opinion when you're creating standards to represent everybody that might use the standard. Now we heard on the platform uh, BSI colleagues and other colleagues talk about how different this is and about this provides fantastic guidance because the, the law is not, not here on this particular issue. I just wonder what you both feel about what difference this standard will make. Maybe start with you, Jane. Organisations can look at it, they can benchmark where they think they are, how well they think they're doing, and I think it can just create a better workplace for, for women, you know, for, so that women can thrive. And there are lots of ways that the standard can help you do that. You know, Nell can give examples of that. But I think it's just a very simple guide will really help you break down where you are in your organisation and help you guide you through to, to make um, improvements. How about you, Nell? What, what difference would this standard make? Well, I, I'm looking at this from a personal perspective because I have family members who have had issues in the past, who had uh, careers as, as in, in a kitchen, for example, where they had to be on their feet the whole day. So if I can create something that would help someone like her, then I feel good about that. So that's, from my perspective, what I would want to see is organizations looking at how do they support their employees and take it from there. My thanks to all of the contributors to this episode of The Standard Show. Marilla Fostrup, Helen Tomlinson, Alice Smelly, Sarah Jane Osborne, Sarah Miles, Fatima Usman and Maria Tomlinson. And also to BSI colleagues, Susan Taylor-Martin, Jane Packer and Nelly Zigov. Now, remind if you want to know more about the standard BS 3416, you can download it for free. All of the details are in the show notes. Now, we started this episode with the words of journalist, broadcaster and author, Mariela Fostrop. So it's perhaps fitting she has the final words too. Obviously, the presence of ovaries and wombs doesn't make us second best. Just listen to that sentence and how ludicrous it sounds. Nor are they impediments that need to be worked around. Our biology is what should be shaping business as we go forward. That means that working practice must fundamentally change to stop the brain drain that happens along the route of the female biological journey that just happens to coincide with our working lives. And that's 
what I see starting very gradually to happen now. The realization that our biology isn't something to apologize for, but accepted as a part of our lives with time and research devoted to how we can be at our individual best and supported when it comes to the occasional trial and tribulation. As I emerged from my own experience of menopause, an educated journalist considering myself to be well-informed and aware of my body, I was really, really shocked at the dearth of general knowledge about the subject, and I remain so. I mean, if only my company had had a standard, my various companies, I mean, I don't mean my various companies, I'm not a magnet, uh, but uh, the various companies I work for, then my experience might have been preempted. And now that's true for so many women out there. Um, you know, now we have the possibility uh, of being understood, being understood what might happen, and the possibilities of adjustments being made that very simply just make working life better. You have been listening to an episode of The Standard Show with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Subscribe to The Standard Show now wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production.